Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. session four of our warrior skill today and our final session, which will be followed by prayer uh, whenever we turn off the cameras and we will uh, also have a Q&A session. And if anybody online has a question for us about any of our teaching, uh, please feel free to contact us on Facebook, either on my site or Warrior School, uh, Warrior Path, or if you want to contact the church here at Freedom Ministries, they have a wealth of knowledge of scripture and they can help you all kinds of ways. Hallelujah. Everyone turn with me, if you will, to Psalms 149 or Psalm 149. The passage of Scripture I'm about to read to you was the founding passage of Scripture for the original warrior school. It was the, the Scripture verse or passage that, was, uh, that we used to identify our ministry. And we were just using 149 verse 6. But I'm going to read to you verse 6 through 9 because it wasn't until years later that I realized the connectivity in the remainder of that chapter and what it meant when I broke it down in Hebrew and found out what they were really, really saying there. So let me read this for you. Psalm 149, verse 6. This was the warrior school theme scripture. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands. That my friends, is a worship warrior. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the judgment written. This is the honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. If you don't know what that means, then I want you to refer back to that passage in Ephesians chapter 6 where it's dealing with principalities and powers and rulers of dark places. In other words... The remaining verses here are dealing with the authority that we have as believers to deal with ruling spirits. So this worship warrior here has power and authority to execute some things that God wants us to execute and to deal with some things God wants us to deal with. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus talks about that very thing when he sends out his disciples. And, it's, and they returned after he had sent them out two by two to witness. And, um, and they came back saying, you know, even the demons are subject to us. And he said to them in verse 18 of Luke chapter 10, I was watching Satan when he fell from heaven like lightning. But it says in verse 19, behold, I have given you, say me. Authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Hallelujah. What I'm about to share with you is an excerpt from a book that I'm writing right now, and I am about a third of the way through this book. It is a book that details a lot of the things that has ha have happened over now a dozen years of ministry with these swords and preaching about that and moving in this supernatural warrior ministry, God's finally talked me into it and twisted my arm and said, write the book. So I've had so many prophets tell me, write the book. 
and prophesy, write the book, and God keeps telling me, write the book, I'm writing the book. I'm going to obey the Lord, and I am obeying God. So I tell you what, it's been a labor of love. It's been one of the toughest things that I've ever done. And I'm a writer. I love to write. I write every day. Some of y'all are following me on Facebook. God just gives me stuff, and it'll just flow. But writing about this has been hard and hardcore. But uh, as I was studying, I found this. William Booth. Anybody know who William Booth was? Mighty man of God. He was a Methodist lay preacher from England. He founded a Christian revival society in 1878 that became known as the Salvation Army. And we're not just talking about a football player jumping up in a Salvation Army kettle after scoring a touchdown. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you know the reference that I'm making right there. Okay. Booth felt impressed by God to structure his missionary endeavors after the military, complete with officers and soldiers. So this is not an original concept, okay? Was it effective? Soon Booth's army were saving souls, feeding and clothing the poor. Can I tell you that what I'm about to share with you is, is going to give you a template for what's going to happen in this community through y'all? Not exactly like this. I'm just telling you, it's an inspiration because I already see this church doing so much of this. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud to know you. I'm proud to be related to you in the spirit. Soon Booth's army were saving souls, feeding and clothing the poor, establishing orphanages, training people in agriculture. I mean, this guy was hardcore. Setting up homes for fallen women and released prisoners, delivering drunkards in more than 58 countries. Now that's some army. Booth's revival army impacted entire cultures with the power of the gospel. Like Gideon, he heeded the call of God to liberate people from the oppression of sin. What are we, the church, doing to change our world? What are you doing? If that's a salvation army, then I believe, and by the way, since we have many, many other types of armed forces, and we've got the Air Force, and we've got the Marines, and we've got... We got the special forces and we got the Navy and we got, can I say to you that in the kingdom of God, if we all begin to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life and do what we're called to do, we're going to take ground for God. And we shouldn't be in competition with the church down the street or across town. And they shouldn't be in competition with us. We need to lay our jealousy aside and realize that we need to be fighting for the cause of Christ and fighting in the light and all fighting against the darkness together. We don't have to agree on every little protocol. That's why you got the Army and the Air Force. They don't fight the same. They don't even have the same structure and dogma, but they're fighting for the same cause. So our war is not with other churches our war is against darkness. Let's not get embroiled in that other stuff. We're not going to be in competition with anybody. We, we are fighting for souls. Do you know what an AWACS plane is? This is where we get into strategy and tactics in session four. And I want to share a vision with you here in just a second. An AWACS means airborne, early, warning, and control. It's an E-2 Hawkeye aircraft that lifts off of a supercarrier and they fly over the battlefield to do surveillance. They manage the battle going on. They have command and control over battlefields. I had a vision about four years ago, and in the vision, and I wrote it down in detail, 
I didn't even know, had no idea that God was going to bring that, re recall that to my memory because I had the vision, I shared it with a few people, and then I just dropped it. But the vision was this. In the vision, I see an AWACS plane flying over the battlefield. And below that plane is an M1 Abrams tank. If you ever seen one of those tanks, they're a marvel, okay? And they may have a better one now, but when those things came out, they were the top dog tank because what they could do with their tracking system is they could paint with the radar five different targets, punch it into the computer, be driving over rough terrain on a battlefield, 60 miles an hour, go boop and hit the button, and boom, 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 all five targets are taken out. But you know what was directing them for part of that was command and control up in the sky. But at the same time, command and control in that AWACS plane was also in touch with the destroyer that was just offshore. And somebody was painting with radar an enemy uh, gun emplacement or enemy munitions or, or some sort of fuel site or something, and, and suddenly somebody punches a button because they just heard from that plane up in the sky, and a cruise missile or three is launched from, you know, what, 90, 100 miles away, and with pinpoint accuracy goes right through the window of the bunker and takes it out. Hallelujah. And all this is happening while that destroyer is knifing through the water itself, not even slowing down, and boom, and it hits with detailed accuracy and extreme precision, and it takes out the enemy. Here's what God told me. The Holy Ghost is our AWACS plane. <laughs> he detects. He warns. I need that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 person. Get on up here right now. Come on, get ready. He detects troop mobilization. He's able, to, he's able to command the ships. He's able to command the troops. He's able to command the tanks. He's able to contain, uh, command our armory emplacements. Uh, are, are you understanding what I'm saying? God sees the whole battlefield. If we are led by the Spirit, can you imagine? Here, so we're, we're wrapping all this up for you, baby. We're we laying it out for you what God's about to do in this church, operating at a very, very high level. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we all know what we're talking about here. We're dealing with the gifts of the Spirit. But I want you to notice what it says about how the Holy Spirit operates here. So first, my brother's going to read for you out of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, verses 4 through 11. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Mm -hmm. And there are differences of administrations, yep. but the same Lord. Yep. And there are diversities of operations, but is, it is the same God which worketh all in all. Mm -hmm. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Okay, just hold with me. Don't leave. 
You're going to read verse 28 through 31. Look this way for just a second. So you've got people who are up in the air flying. You've got people who are on the water. You've got people who are, who are entrenched uh, and, and, and are using... Uh, uh, arms to shoot toward the enemy and munitions to shoot toward the enemy. You've got people moving in tanks moving toward them. You've got armored vehicles moving toward them. You've got people who are in, who are in troops who are marching on, on the ground. All of these uh, under the same command and control. All of these in a coordinated attack to do what needs to be done to take the land. Not everyone has the same power. Not everyone has the same gift. Never be jealous and think, I should be flying the plane. Never be jealous if your boot's on the ground. Never be jealous and think, I need to be in the tank or I need to be shooting the big boom boom. Or everybody needs to hear my voice. Everyone has a place. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a calling. None more or less important than the other. All coordinated together get the job done. Are you with me so far? Okay. Read verse 28 through 31. Same chapter. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Give our friend a hand. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. We are to ask for the best gifts. But here's the difficulty. Here's the problem. This is a short teaching, but I really need you to listen to this because we're about to bring some things home. Many churches, many leaders, and many believers are not plugged into command and control. So we're killed by friendly fire. We become ineffective because we're out of place. We're not where we should be when we should be. We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing when we're supposed to be doing it. We refuse to take orders. We refuse to submit to authority. We don't know when to shut up and shoot. We don't know when to put up our weapon and pull somebody out of harm's way. We're not plugged into the Holy Spirit. Because it's not just about working together with people. It's about submitting to God. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. Hand her that microphone right there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. Okay. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. 
I want you to stay right there. Freeze. Don't move. Uh, Mr. Ephesians 3, 8 through 20, get up here. Okay? You stay there. Some of you, by the way, battles run long and we get weary in well-doing. Don't you lose this final teaching. Don't you dial at your brain when somebody starts reading Scripture. So she's going to read, no, she's going to read hers again, and then you're going to go flow straight into chapter 3, verse 8 through 20. She is in Ephesians 1, verse 17 through 19, and then she's going to hand the mic to him. He's going to chapter 3, verse 8 through 20. Then I'm going to break down what they just read. Let's see how much of it you pick up because here's what this is. This is strategy and tactics, session 4. I'm giving you detailed intel. All right, go, read again. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, mm -hmm. the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. All right, hand the ball off to him. You read chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 8 through 20. It's a long passage of Scripture. I want you to read it, and I want you to take your time going through it. I want you to read it with unction. I want you to read it, feel it, man. Read all right. it. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is the grace given that I should preach among all the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be known by the churches and the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he proposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him whoever I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for, for you which is your glory for this I, I cause I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might and his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in, in the hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints with it is the breatheth and length and depth and height, and to know that love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all, the, all that we ask or think, according to the power of that worketh in us. Lay the mic down, and then you come back and stand here. You stay there. Hey, this ain't nothing like whenever I'm casting out devils. I bark out, I bark out orders like you ain't ever seen when there are warriors are running with me. Um, I told you that warriors are rough sometimes. Sometimes they bite back. Sometimes they nick you with the blade. If you are training with a sword, you're going to get cut sometimes. But some of y'all were going like, ooh, couldn't believe he kind of talked to me like that a little bit. See, this is a learning moment right here. Here's the thing. I'm used to this because I roll with warriors all the time. 
And God don't send me people that's already churchy. God sends me to people that's coming off the streets and they're getting full of Jesus and they're going to do great things for God. Uh, if you barked back at a football coach a little bit as it was a rough day in practice and you were sweaty and you done butted your head against an offensive lineman about five times and your bell was already ringing and you barked at your coach and he made you drop, drop and give you 20 and y'all had a few words together. Am I losing it? Maybe we had a few words together, something like that. We'd still be good because whenever I say you take the ball and you run or you tackle that guy, you're still going to do what I ask you to do because I'm your coach and you're playing, right? Same thing in the army of God. It may not be pretty. It might even get a little bit messy. You might even get ticked off at me. But you know that I'm for you and I know that you're for me. So in the heat of the battle, don't devour one another. Be patient and be kind to one another. But at the same time, when I ask you to do what I need you to do, please do what I need you to do. You, you would not want me to be your pastor. I'm tough. Y'all think I'm nice. I, no. I, people, I have to say, you're such a teddy bear. And I'm going like, Kung Fu Panda, you have no idea. You don't know. You see teddy bear, you don't know. You know, you don't know. Okay. Here's what they just said. Can I bring it down and synthesize it for you? Y'all still with me as we're bringing this thing home, right? He said, we're rich in God, we're well able to fight. We have access to the intel, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. We have been given access, and we are comprehending decrypted mysteries that were encrypted. Just break it down. They're encrypted so the devil doesn't know what we're talking about. These mysteries are revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. If you're not plugged into command and control, you're going to be clueless. If you're walking in your flesh, you're going to be clueless. Uh, God puts it in a mystery so that those who are not walking in the Spirit won't get it. And so the demon powers don't get it. So it, when the Bible says that, excuse me, when the Bible talks about knowledge, there is so much there I quoted when we talked about actionable intelligence here, knowledge is power, Sir Francis Bacon. But don't you understand, to not have this knowledge can put you at a tactical disadvantage, especially when the intel has already been paid for so that you could have it. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 15. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do Proverbs, and we're going to do 2 Timothy 2, 7, and we're going to do Hosea 4, 6. All these are about knowledge. Proverbs 18, 15, we're on strategy and tactics. Heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. Read again. The heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. Okay, so we need to seek knowledge, we need to hear knowledge. Okay? Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. All right, read it again. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding 
and everything. So we're on knowledge and understanding. Hosea 4.6. Who had that? Who's going to read that? Now I got a pastor from Buffalo, Texas calling me. Hallelujah. Arthur's reading for us Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. This is one of our key scriptures for this last session. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because those has rejected knowledge, I will also reject, reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. All right, I want you to tell me, man, what do you think that that means? Again, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm doing this to you. I'm throwing some of y'all under the bus and under in the fire because as a warrior, you need to be ready to do that. You need to be, you're going to have to shift the way you think. You're going to have to be in season and out of season. He's doing good. Leave him alone. Tell me what you think that means, man, what you just read. Well, from my experience, is whenever we walk in truth, we bring the truth. The world, okay, rejects the truth. Right. So they reject the knowledge because they have been taught and lived a lie. But he says, my people. God, God says in that scripture, my people are perishing for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. My, my people. So, so the knowledge, the intel has been paid for that we got a Holy Ghost up above the whole battlefield that sees everything, and we're not accessing it. So, so wouldn't uh, so the, the drug addict or the alcoholic, even though they're not saved, or they're not in church, aren't they still God's people? Yeah. Amen. So they're, they're, even, they're perishing even more and have even less knowledge, but even the church isn't doing what we're supposed to be doing. Thank you, Arthur. That's, that's awesome, man. Just set that down right there. Here's what the word strategy means. We're bringing this to a close. As far as the teaching part, anyway. Strategy means this, of or relating to specific plans created to achieve a specific goal, Please don't get lost in the minutiae of this definition. In the military, political, or governmental realm, it is an essential, effective, coordinated plan of action. By the way, church, are you going to have a plan of action? People of God, are you going to have a plan of action? Are you going to have a plan of action for your family? An essential, of, ooh, an essential, effective, coordinated plan of action aimed toward an intended objective or to shift, say shift, to shift the balance of power between nations, entities, or protagonists. Tactics means this, the plan or procedure or order to implement a strategy. It's the means by which a strategy is carried out. It's the science or art of maneuvering forces in combat. The art and skill of employing weapons and systems to overcome the enemy. So we're talking about the ways and the means. Strategy plans. Tactics implement. You must have a coordinated plan, church. You must have the weapons, the skills, and the operatives to implement the plan. Let me say it again. You must have a coordinated plan of how to come against what's destroying your city. And you must have the weapons. Did we just preach about the weapons? You must have the skill to use the weapons. And you must have the operatives to implement the plan. So we got to have the people. The people have to be armed and dangerous. And they need to learn to use 
what's been given you in the spiritual realm and in the word of God. That's kind of simple, isn't it? Then why aren't we taking the land? Why aren't we getting souls saved? Why in this church having to go to three services on Sunday? Because you just can't get everybody into two. And at the same time, maybe having multiple campuses, and they're all having to go to multiple services. Wouldn't that be an awesome problem to have? Hallelujah. To have to be training constantly. So what's your plan? What's God's plan for your life, for your family, for your ministry? I'm going to give you a very quick lesson. In Isaiah chapter 11, it talks about the sevenfold anointing of Christ. I'm not going to have to turn to it because I know it just like I know that, uh, you know, armor of God thing. Because in Isaiah chapter 11, the sevenfold anointing is that Jesus had the spirit of the Lord. By the way, the scripture said he had the spirit of God in fullness, without measure. He had the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of the knowledge of the Lord, balanced against all those revelatory gifts, are balanced against the spirit of the fear of the Lord and the spirit of might. So if God can give you the nine gifts of the spirit, and God can give you the sevenfold anointing of Christ, and God can give you all of this stuff so that you can have more knowledge, so that you can overcome and adapt and overcome, why aren't we walking in it? I'm going to bring it to a close. Gideon used prophetic strategy and tactics that he learned when God told him to go sneak up on the Midianite camp, and he overheard the dream that God gave a Midianite soldier about what was going to happen. And he goes back, he says, okay, boys, here's what we're going to do. And God came in with angel forces and helped them overcome the Midianites. Hallelujah. Joshua did the same thing when the captain of the host appears to him and says, here's how you're going to take on Jericho. It's supernatural battle plan. It's not a regular battle plan. It's a supernatural battle plan. Here's the intel. Yes, it's a big high fortress city, but here's what you're going to do. And it doesn't make any sense, I know, but these are the supernatural weapons, and I'm going to teach you how to use them. You're going to take these little horns, you see, <laughs> and you're going to send out the priests, you know, these warrior priests, and they're going to walk, and they're going to toot their horns. <laughs> and then they're going to shout. And the wall's going to come tumbling down. What? Just do what I say. Stop arguing. And they did. And God did. Do you think that God has a specific plan for this church? Do you believe he had? That was the weakest I'm sorry, did the, was the food so good that it put you to sleep? It was good. I, even, I got low carb, and it was awesome. It didn't taste like cardboard like most of the time. It was awesome. What if we had special ops Christians? Please roll with me. In the special ops battlefield, you have specialists, and you have people who are multi-skilled. So each one has a specialty, but they also, they're multi-talented and multi-tasked and multi-skilled. So if one person goes down in the unit, somebody can seamlessly move in and take their place. You have people who are trained in rescue. You have people who are trained to be trackers. You have people who are trained to be medics. You have people who are trained in spycraft and reconnaissance, uh, intel gathering, languages, communications, demolition, snipers. 
highly trained in hand-to-hand combat. They're honorable. They're sacrificial. They're taught to adapt and overcome and even extract people that need to be extracted and rescues. Uh, they, are leaders, they are leaders who also know how to follow. And if their commanding officer goes down, the next guy in line steps up. They're able to operate in different climates. They're able to operate in different environments because they move in unity as one. And if the unity of the Spirit comes into this house the way that it should, and you're all flowing together as one, and nobody's jealous of, every, of somebody else's gift or think, I, I should be doing that. But you begin to shine where God puts you to shine, and you train in that. It's amazing what God will give you later. In Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to close with this passage. In Romans chapter 6, verse 11, while you're turning there, We just talked about the whole armor of God. But what you may not know is not only did the Lord use the Roman soldier as an example for the Christian's armor and and battle gear, there was also a reference to the hoplon soldiers or hoplon soldiers who were the elite Greek soldiers as well. Some of them were citizen soldiers of Greece. Others were the soldiers like the Spartans. Uh, that you've heard about in the Battle of Thermopylae. But in Romans chapter 6, and here's how I know because it actually uses the word. In Romans chapter 6, verse 11, Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Stop right there. Look this way with me. Let me help you understand something. The Greek word that is used here is hoplon. When it's interpreted into uh, some Bible translations, they translate it into tool or implement. What you may not realize is that the hoplon warriors were actually called tools. They were actually called implements. It was the same word that was used for the word weapon. So can I give you the scripture as it was meant to sound in verse 13? And do not go on presenting your members, and I would teach us when I would teach on the sword of the Lord, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as weapons of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as weapons of righteousness to God. You can either be a weapon of unrighteousness or a weapon of righteousness. The Hoplon soldiers were known for this. They carried spears, but they also carried a shield that was called... That that hoplon word actually stood for the shield that they used. It was also called the aspis, A-S-P-I-S. But they would do a special tactic. The shield was actually a weapon. So those defensive weapons, the shield is a defensive weapon. It was also an offensive weapon. They would strike with the shield. Not only that, they created something, a special battle tactic that was called the phalanx. And they would lock their shields. They would have them in their left arm. So your shield was protecting your vital parts and your heart. But that other part of your shield hanging off your left arm would lock in to the shield of your brother soldier. 
And whenever they would line all up together and those shields were all locked together, when they would all give a whoo, they would all take a step forward and move and they would drive back the enemy with the shield. Or they would all strike together with the shield like this. And the enemy could not break through their ranks because the shields were locked together. This is a battle tactic. This is a strategy that they use to overcome greater forces. And the Battle of Thermopylae with 300 or whether it was Gideon with his 300. What would happen, and I close with this, what if every church had self-sacrificing, talking about the power of unity, loyal, honorable, pure warrior ministry teams that function like a seamless unit or like a well-oiled machine? Not one member envious of another's gifts. And what if we took this battle outside the walls of the sanctuary and into the streets, advancing a true kingdom agenda? What if? What if? We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossit.com.